0: Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? We are back. I am so excited as always. I think I say that every single time, but I'm extra special excited to have Javelle with me. JaVale Berendorf, thank you so much for this conversation and your time. So... In a nutshell, I'm going to throw you straight in the deep end. Can you give yourself a little synopsis? So what do you stand for? What is you? Who are you, brother? So I feel like I'm
1: multifaceted. I say that a bit in that there's a lot that I love personally and there's a lot going on in my life. So I'm a mum of two very energetic very boisterous boys. Um, I'm also a wife to um, a professional cricketer. So there's a few, you know, little aspects of that that play into my life every day. And then I have my own business, um, which is in
0: personal styling, or you could say fashion styling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) So you've touched on the three kind of key areas that I'd love to talk about. um, Mm -hmm. Juggling your incredibly busy life, um, Mm -hmm. balancing a partnership with very two very unique successful careers Mm. and then why you got into the job and the work that you do. So let's start there. Um, What made you get to this point? Have you always known that this is what you wanted to do? Did you go to university, study fashion design? You tell me, because I actually don't know much about your journey to this point. Yeah. But I reached out because you're so inspiring and you've helped people personally that I know. Um, And I know you've helped thousands of people feel great. So how have you got to this point?
1: Yeah. So funnily enough, fashion was never on my radar as a career. I always liked clothes and I liked shopping. Um, Like growing up, took a lot of time getting ready to the point it was like the bane of the existence for my dad. And it was always, you know, hurry up. Life's not a runway where I dispute that now, but I ended up in sports science so technically I have a master's in strength and conditioning. So I used to, so I did six years at university, did, um, I've worked on the mines for almost two and a half years previously, and I used to do, um, exercise physiology, and then I did a master's in strength and conditioning. So I used to work with athletes, funnily wow. enough, not how I met my husband though, really enough, but I used to work with athletes, mainly female and youth. So, um, like um, teens around 15, 16, and used to run their gym programs, their fitness programs, high performance. Um, I worked with WAIS and Basketball WA. I worked with the WACA in their female program. Um, oh, my gosh, of, this is amazing.
0: We actually yeah. have very similar starts because I was a personal trainer, went to universities, strength and conditioning, like all of that. I yeah. worked with athletes until I took a creative path.
1: Yeah, isn't that funny? And there that's the go. same thing. Creative then ended up in a creative path, mm. and I think – I really loved what I did and I loved especially helping women and I think that's the key of what I've taken into my role now. But working in a male-dominated industry is quite difficult, especially when after my husband and I got married, realising one on a very, um, I wouldn't say strict schedule, but a schedule that changes all the time and is away a lot There needed to be consistent force at home if we wanted to raise a family, which we knew we wanted to do. And I realized very quickly that while I liked strength and conditioning and helping my female athletes, it was going to become really difficult to do if we were to ever start a family. And it meant for someone who their career is part of their identity, and I'm not ashamed to say that, Mm -hmm. um, love my children, but it's not my everything as well. And some people may like that or not, but it's just career i I've, I find fulfillment in my career knowing if I couldn't go back to that after children I know wouldn't make me the best person I could be
0: God, that's such good insight and wisdom that's I went through so a lot to get there like yeah. I went
1: through a lot I had a bit of like I would say like a crisis around 25 when I realized that the trajectory or the trajectory of my pathway wasn't where it was going to be And I almost had a panic of thinking I've wasted six years of study Mm. and working my way up the ladder to realize it was never going to be what I wanted it to be. And so after talking with mentors, um, it was actually a friend of mine that said to me, why don't you think about something in fashion? You've always being like our go-to person if we need an outfit for like a uni event Mm -hmm. um you have this great knowledge and sounds really cliche but passion for fashion as she put it but she goes why don't you look into a career in fashion and design just didn't feel right I'm creative but I'm not that artistic and as like your phone happens to hear this ad popped up on Facebook for this course in styling and I went to this event in Perth and that was kind of it for me it was just like I had this epiphany wow. um I was driving home after the event Jason my husband was away and I just burst into tears and I was like this is where I kind of need to go mm-hmm. so that there's some sort of flexibility and it just kind of ticked.
0: Burst yeah. into tears in a relief kind of you found your calling burst into tears because probably all of the above but burst yeah. into tears because you had worked so hard to get to where you were and then you thought, my gosh, what a waste, Bursting tears because you were scared by the kind of the the next path? Because sometimes when you're presented with something that is quite incredible, it can be really scary even though, you know, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Could you put into words why you – or you were not really sure why you had such a reaction?
1: Not really sure. I think part of it was I'd felt really lost after feeling like I'm in this role where I know it's not going anywhere but I was just doing it because – what else are you going to do at this point in time? And I have a husband who is very lucky to do the kind of job that he does and it was almost like I want that, that fulfilment of a job that I love that I'm going to have longevity in. And I think part of it was relief in finding something that just felt right Mm. but also some of it is a bit of like I think as well – wondering when if the judgment's going to come of you know you've done a career you've done like almost like I would say my dad's quite old school so it was you went to high school Mm -hmm. you then went to university you then had a job and you stuck at the job and knowing I was then going to have to one talk with my husband because it's a big decision so we both need to be okay and he was supportive from the get-go but also then you've got to break the news to people around you that i'm basically kicking in you know
0: because people don't like change and people that love you want you to keep safe and they see change as a fearful move or um, irresponsible when i said i wanted to do art at university everyone said no that's a stupid idea so i actually signed up to do sport and exercise science What I didn't tell them is that I changed two weeks prior. And in secret, I went to the same university. It was the only one of my options that had the option to do art or sport and exercise science. And I just went to a completely different department and started studying fine art instead of sport and exercise science. And it took me months to go, actually, guys, I'm at uni, but I'm not doing what I said I was going to do because I was so worried about... They were just worried for me and it came from a place of care. But mm. I hate that there's this stigma. I think it's getting better, but around creative professions, not somehow being professional enough or yeah. worthy of celebrating or a place to be proud to kind of work in a creative industry seems yeah. a bit taboo almost. Or so. like it
1: should be a side hustle. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: that was the response I got a lot was, well, at least you always have, you know, exercise physiology to fall back on oh my gosh and I'm like I don't want to fall back on (laughs) it though um and so I think part of it as well was the judgment was Mm. was there going to be judgment around it um but I think especially my close friends knew I'd been struggling to find my place and they were all for it. it was a bit of a chat with my parents you know letting them not that it's asking for permission but you want to know that you've got people in your corner. Yep. So I think there was part of that as well, but I think mostly it was relief in just knowing I'd found something yes. that I could or just finding your people. Yep. I think is a big way.
0: And I think it's really beautiful how you've very clearly demonstrated you don't necessarily need to know how you want to make an impact in the world. So what I see from you and I can I can sense a similarity with myself is from a young age, I've known I've wanted to help and empower people. Mm. I did that initially, doing personal training, fitness, remedial massage, working with athletes as well. You did that in um, strength and conditioning and working mm. with athletes. Our mission is still the same, but it's okay that the way that we deliver that has changed. But that's yes. quite scary to go. Oh, maybe it's not. It doesn't need to be delivered in that way. But I can still have my my mission maintain the exact same kind of trajectory and the yeah same, the same aim is still there um so it's super brave to go I still want to help people and empower mm. people but I'm going to do it in a way that is aligned more with what I find interesting and I'm passionate about
1: yeah and yeah when you are with someone whose their career quite dominates our life just because of the way it is mm. um it's finding your own place in that relationship and I think if I was happy to be a stay-at-home mum then it would have been okay but knowing I've always I've always known I've been quite driven Mm. and I want to have my own my own place in the world beyond just being a mum like I love being a mum but I needed something else as well and that meant I needed either a hobby or a career or something but the career is where I feel most fulfilled um Not that I don't feel fulfilled being a mum, but I needed that as well. And so it was trying to find a role that could then fulfill what I needed it to be, but also tick the boxes of being flexible so that I could raise a family because I'm mostly a solo parent a lot of the time. And that could be flexible enough to slot into a professional athlete's schedule, Mm. especially one that travels quite a bit.
0: So did it happen quite organically? Or did you sit down, plan it and go, right, how does my life look on a day to day for the next six months? Can I see people in person? Can I um, do things online? Like, Mm. I'm speaking from personal (laughs) experience, I just wing it. I just go, we'll try and work it out and it will just bumble (laughs) along and we'll get there at the end. But did you definitely have a very strategic approach to Get into oh. where you are now no, no. definitely not oh, that's So, music to my ears. no like <laughs> that's some things are planned and
1: then some things it's just like you just gotta like jump into yep. feet or you know if you miss that opportunity you just you're gonna hate yourself for it and so I did this like the institute that I studied with is I guess what you say like a private institute and they were they'd come over basically for an info weekend in Perth and I signed straight up yep and then they were running their course all the hands-on component of it because styling is hands-on. Yeah. They were running it in a couple of months in Melbourne. Okay. And so it was literally like, that's it, I'm doing it in a couple of months because I don't want to wait another year of this not knowing what I'm doing with my life aspect. And so I was still doing strength and conditioning at the the time and then I did this and I think it was, you could say, like a side hustle for a little while. Mm -hmm.
0: Which is very sensible to have Which, that approach, you don't yeah. want to, I mean it's it's illogical to throw in your, your safety net of financial <laughs> security so right? it sounds yeah. good to kind of test it out, similar I did the same, I did art as a mm. very much a side hustle, almost like a hobby on the side until such times I thought no if I don't take the jump and the leap of faith yeah. I never will. Um, when you have a mortgage, you've got to be slightly practical.
1: There's got to be a side of it. There's got to be slightly practical. And so it came to a point, I think, that first year I did it as a side hustle and just made the most of it. And so Mm -hmm. I was training with my athletes most days of the week and then in evenings or on weekends when I could, I was working with clients, I was doing photo shoots, I was doing as much as I could and just trying to generate that background of the business so that when I knew the time came to leap, I could leap. Yeah. And it probably happened sooner than I thought. I thought maybe I'd be a side hustle for a year, like for maybe like two years. Yeah. But within a year I realised as it comes with seasonal jobs like working with athletes my contract was coming up for a renewal for the next oh, season perfect timing. so I just made the decision to jump because yeah. I didn't want to be that person that cut loose on them halfway through a season because that's unfair yeah. on my athletes um
0: but also yeah um you can always put it off so actually you've just because I got asked to leave a job um as a private wellness specialist for a very wealthy um family and I thought, oh, I could just re, you know, take on what I had already established before, and I thought, no, this is an actual opportunity here, and you're never going to feel ready. Yeah, For everyone I've ever spoken to who is very successful and happy yeah. in their careers now, that's they've all said the same. I never felt ready, but yeah. I just you just have to take. It. So, if there's anyone listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I just haven't got my, you know, accounts in order, or I haven't mm. got my advertising ready just do it just jump in
1: you kind of and I remember one of my mentors saying to me she goes everyone talks about having their ducks in a row yes. but she goes have you ever noticed that to get those ducks in the row mama duck has to take the first step
0: yes and then I they fall that. into
1: line and they literally fall they, they fall, like, into line. They <laughs> fall
0: <laughs> from a great height yeah. and they splash <laughs> yeah so
1: She's Uh like, you've got to take that first step to have things come into line. It's never going to – it doesn't often happen the other way around. You could be waiting forever. And so I decided that was the time to do it. And And how long ago was that
0: now? So
1: I started studying in 2016. Mm -hmm. Then it was full-time 2017.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. There's a lot you've done. Can you pick out just a few highlights of – maybe what the day kind of looks like for you, or a typical week because I'm sure there's different things yeah. that happen within or a month whatever yeah <laughs> um typical things that you would do within your um, month and then a few real standout highlights that you're really proud of and
1: yeah um, yeah so it's quite different with personal that well with styling fashion styling, there's like different aspects you can do so it, you can branch off into personal styling which I do when I work with one-on-one clients Um, I also style photo shoots, so editorial styling and commercial. And then I do runway as well. Like I love all aspects of it. So I just figure it's my business. I'll do what I want with it. Like I'm not going to niche down if I love it all. Um, And so that's what I do. So every week is slightly different. But generally within a month I'll have a couple of clients. Um, Used to be more, but I've learned not to burn myself out and overcommit. It's a learning process, but we're getting there finally. Um, so i see a couple of clients in a month um, yeah. where I work with them and their, whether it's their wardrobe or I take them shopping. Um, and I hold that really dearly because you work with someone's identity when you work yes. with their wardrobe. It's not just clothes. And I can clothes. speak to that
0: personally. I don't think my partner would mind me saying that I have seen a, a huge transformation mm-hmm. in her confidence, in the way she carries herself, in the way she feels about herself. She's got mm-hmm. a very... Um, I think, very high-powered job, very successful. And she just steps out the door ready for work with her head held high and just a, a newfound confidence in herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've transformed her yeah. whole life. Like, you've literally helped her identity change from someone who probably didn't feel the most confident person in the room to now she knows she looks and therefore feels really good yeah. in her skin and in her clothes. So
1: And how we f- feel is so intertwined with our mental state and that can come down to how we look. And a lot of people say that's a bit of like hoo-ha and not, but I call it transformational styling because when you work with someone in their wardrobe, Mm -hmm. it's their identity. Mm -hmm. It's how they see themselves um, and it's also how they want to be perceived by others. And when you can really come down to it and how someone wants to look, Mm -hmm. how they want others to see them, and you work with that, as well as how they see themselves in the mirror, Mm -hmm. you can really change their lives. And not every client's like that. Some clients are just there for fun and a wardrobe update. But for some, I'm finding more so now than ever certain generations that have gone through like the heroin chic where you had to be considered a size six or an eight to be of value. Mm. There was always, you know, even when you think about, the year that Bridget Jones's Diary movie came out and Renee Zellweger in that, she was labelled as fat or, like, obese. Mm. She's not. She's actually smaller than the average Australian woman. And so you think about if that is considered overweight, how many women would look at that and then see themselves and go, that must mean so, i'm overweight so I, yeah so toxic. yeah it's there was a real there was especially through the 90s and the early 2000s there was a lot of toxic media and messaging around body image um i remember the value. size
0: 0 being such a thing and i don't want to get too much into sizing but mm. um some will know if they've listened to this i was anorexic through all of my teen years mm. and even when I was in hospital and on a feeding tube and close to you know dying through malnutrition my frame I'm quite a tall person I'm nearly six foot and I'm athletic in frame my frame never got down to a size zero so Mm. no body fat on me but I thought well I can't be ill then because I'm not even a size zero and Mm. size zero is kind of the um expectation or the desired and it just it that number and hearing that in the news and um, on the me- social media and like models and stuff, it just completely um, threw my sense of reality of what was normal. Mm. And yeah. obviously I was immensely unwell and way too skinny and way too underweight, but yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, it, 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 uh, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get too, too kind of off yeah. the, off the topic. I do really want to go back to so interesting mm. about, how people want to be seen and I before we started recording said that I've thought about why I haven't used your services because I love what you do there's a reason why I wanted to chat to you today (laughs) I think you're amazing and I actually think it boils down to I don't want to be seen yeah I don't want to stand out and I look at Liz and I think woof well I'm partly unbiased (laughs) but she stands out for all the best Mm. reasons and she's she has you can't miss her because she looks incredible. Do you ever have people that you think actually their desired outcome is to hide or to not be seen? Because you would, I would think, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, getting a stylist is about um, dressing up and, and sh- not showing off, but like fl- flushing your feathers yeah. like a peacock. And, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I would say that's often the perception that it's frivolous to work with a stylist or frivolous to spend time or money on your clothing. That's Mm. often what we're told. Like I was definitely told that growing up, you know, hurry up. It's not a runway. You don't need to pay attention to the details and things like that. It's just clothes. But it's not just clothes because it's a ritual that we do every single day Mm. and it can really impact you. So even if you think about you put on a pair of jeans that don't fit correctly and all day you're hiking them up or pulling them down or they irritate you mm-hmm. things like that it just that affects you over time like it, it wears down on you and yes. you can never feel good if all you're doing is focusing on the fact that what you're wearing I can is can literally picture my not jeans doing its now job. I was yeah. having this
0: chat with my mum I have a, yeah. a pair because I she got a new pair and I wore them the whole time I was in England last week was desperately hoping she'd, as a present, put them into my luggage, but she kept them, she hid them, Um, because they felt incredible, and I compared them to my jeans that I then had to put on to fly home, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I need to get some other jeans. So I guess, yeah, it doesn't have to be about, you can be subtle, Mm. but you can help yourself feel better and not be irritated and not be uncomfortable or hot or whatever.
1: And it's not so much about showing off your body or always dressing up. Part of it is me showing my clients the potential that is there. Because for some of my clients that have always been told that you're not attractive because you're not a size six, and this may be from people in their lives or who have been in their lives, or by media Mm -hmm. telling them. Like, like you think about the magazines at the checkout. They're always about you know, this celebrity's put on weight or this celebrity's you know size down or you know what's happened here. It's always. That their looks and mm. often it's negative commentary not positive and we absorb that and there's been studies that have said that we even as children depending on the kind of conversations that happen around us we can start to affect our own body image by around four.
0: Mm. Oh my gosh so yeah.
1: yeah so it's really young where we can become aware of these things and even if you don't think you're taking on this messaging your brain does mm-hmm. and it can have a negative impact so for some of my clients, is showing them the potential that they that they might have thought they have to be a size a certain size to be considered of worth, of value, or beautiful. Mm-hmm. And part of me is showing them that there's beauty and value in any size, any shape, any age, gender. However, you see yourself, whatever your pronouns are, yeah. if you're transitioning, there is beauty in your moment now, and let me show it to you. Let's disrupt what you see in the mirror, especially mm-hmm. for a lot of women. When they first look in the mirror, it's sometimes the areas that they perceive as their own flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how we can change that. And when you start to do that and you show them other areas that are beautiful, and it's not just regarding it, because we all have areas that we don't like about ourselves, but also have you noticed that you have? really toned legs, have you noticed that you've got beautiful, a beautiful shoulder line where jackets are just going to highlight and, you know, give you confidence? Have you noticed that you've got a great bust line, a small waistline, that you've got beautiful slender arms, that you've got shapely legs, whatever it happens to be, that have you noticed this and let's dress this so that when you look in the mirror each day, instead of going, I don't like my stomach and that's all I focus on, You start to notice your own highlights and it's almost like dressing to your own highlights real every day and that can build your confidence. So it's not so much about going, you have to look dressed to the nines every day to feel confident. Mm. It's going, what do you feel comfortable in? What is your lifestyle? Because that plays a role. There's a practical, Mm. There has to be a practicability to what we wear, but also what I see when I look at you is going to be different to how you see yourself more often than not in the mirror. And what I see is probably more reality because yes. women
0: so judgmental, typically so. distort
1: to the negative. Yeah. Um, and how can we bring that all into alignment so that when you get dressed every day, you know that whatever you pull out is going to fit all aspects of your life, fit your shape, and give you what you want to see in the mirror. Mm. So it's not just
0: clothing. I oh, mean, so I mean, I, you're there's so, so much more to it. And I can, yeah. yeah, I, I mean, do have a, a very odd question and this is sort of playing devil's advocate but loads of things came to mind as we were talking then and this is a little bit off tangent but someone was talking about wearing a hijab and a burqa and they were born a white british woman but they turned to islam and they they um, followed um, the muslim religion and a question someone said is don't you feel suppressed um, and don't you hate that you have to cover up? And it's always stuck with me. I heard this years ago and she said, no, I love it because I get to hide behind. No one mm. stares at me. No one looks, and, and I um, date women, so I mm. actually don't like the gaze of men. And this is coming at what you've said from a completely different perspective. Mm. From a personal level, I don't want to highlight. I am so fed up of a man's gaze, I have memories of being a teenager, and obviously there's some trauma and unresolved issues in this, but Mm. walking down the street towards school in my school uniform and lorries honking or builders Mm -hmm. wolf whistling, I'm actively trying to blend in and not highlight. So obviously that's quite a, a unique perspective and maybe I can use your help to help yeah. me to feel comfortable that I'm not standing out and I'm not highlighting I'm just blending in but have you had any strange requests from people who because I love that you started by saying you focus on what the how the person wants to be seen so have you had anyone come to you and say, I want to be seen as if I'm and then Mm. strange requests not not what you've just mentioned about kind of highlighting my legs or making myself comfortable in a certain role like I want to be seen as a (laughs) cat lover or I want to see I don't know I don't maybe there's not an answer to this and I think as well
1: I should also say highlighting doesn't mean putting on show either because when it's dressing my clients it's dressing them for their own gaze it's not dressing for anyone else. And this is often a conversation that, well, not often, but it's a conversation that's come up enough where I've worked with female clients and they've always dressed to what their partner wants them to dress. So therefore they're actually not dressing for themselves. They're dressing that for their happens. partner's gaze. That breaks yeah, my heart. Because that's what their boyfriend, their husband would want to see them on them or that's what their mum would want to see them as. And so they are dressing for a different identity and not their own. And for some of it, it comes down to, how it always comes down to the question with my client. It's what is their value and how we do that. So for some of my clients, they want to be the standout in the room. Mm -hmm. And for some of my clients, they just want to know that they are dressing how they should be dressing each day Yeah, appropriately for each day. I've worked with clients of different religions and that means we always need to talk about that aspect, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean highlighting, doesn't mean putting on show. So it doesn't mean a lot of skin, And always questions that are always asked during the consultation because it's a very in-depth conversation. Yeah. It's a light conversation but it's It's in-depth. There's so many
0: intricacies and even thinking about what you're saying from my perspective, obviously I have a very different take on the things that you're talking about compared to someone who maybe does want to walk into a room and be seen and valued. I've got the opposite where I want to hide and not be noticed. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, you'd be it's, one of my
1: clients that would want to feel appropriate in
0: each room. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. and can I ask a question on that? Again, I'm being quite personal here. No, but I, I get to do that. So <laughs> I'm so to do. Um, I, I do date women, and I have to admit, when I first came out, my dad, bless him, I wasn't even old enough to drive, but he dropped me off at this club. And I went, it was Tuesday night, because that's the only night they would have for gay people. Mm. Um, Tuesday night, this random pub, and he drove me three weeks in a row. Three weeks in a row, I got scared, and I I said, no, Dad, let's drive home. Fourth week, Tuesday, walked in, and I was dressed in a, I can completely remember it, this kind of plain grey dress, kind of knee length, a little demi-heel, nothing like a kitten heel. Um, Done my hair quite nice, long hair, put a bit of makeup on. And the room was full of women dressed, what I would perceive, quote-unquote, as men. Kind of very tomboyish trousers, mm-hmm. that kind of look. And I walked out and I cried and I said, Dad, we need to go home. I went back the following fifth week and I dressed what I perceived as how a lesbian should dress. And mm-hmm. I felt so uncomfortable. I'm not, I'm not that kind of... For me, that didn't work. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was dressing like myself. Um, and I think that that's a huge um component of identity when you do come out is struggling to show people of the same gender and sex that you are interested in them and you want to date them but I don't want to go through life also dressing like quote-unquote or a man yeah I'm um, sorry a, a heterosexual man would dress like yeah.
1: yeah and that's part of it so always part of I call the concept consultation it's a conversation so there are going to be Questions, but it's light-hearted. It gets me to know you. It basically means when I recommend outfits or pieces of clothing, it's not me that I have in mind when I go sh- like shopping for those pieces. It's my client that I have in mind. I know how they like to live their life. So, do they like to go to fancy restaurants? Do they like to go to the pub down the road? Do they spend their time on the weekends at the park with children? That what do they have to wear for work? Mm-hmm. All of that plays a role, but also how. How would they like to be dressed? What is important for them? And sometimes they don't know, and I've got tricks to get that out of I wouldn't say tricks, but there's things that I do to help them see that because sometimes we know how you want to look, but we don't know how to visualize that Mm -hmm. or we don't know how to describe it to someone else. So I have some exercises that help with that. Um, But it always comes down to the client. Mm -hmm. It's always client-focused, and that is why – If you do it properly, no two clients are ever the same. Mm. They are never dressed the same. I'm never pulling the same pieces for them. And that is why I probably only want to do do a handful of clients a month because it's a process. Like, for instance, a shop for a client just to update a wardrobe, like what I did with Liz. It's a chat, a consultation.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I then go by myself and pre-shop because I never promise anything because you don't know what's in that store. They could have sold a size that day or they could have new stock coming in. So I do a pre-shop and I pull everything that I want for them that suits their values. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I take them shopping and then we try it on and we talk about why I chose it. Do they like it? Do they not? They're allowed an opinion, of course. Clothing doesn't have feelings, so they're not going to (laughs) cry if you don't choose them and buy them at the till. Um, And it's giving them permission to play but also to dress the way that they've always wanted to dress because like you mentioned, you thought you'd had to dress a certain way Mm -hmm. to be perceived a certain way. And sometimes it's giving them permission that it's okay to dress the way they want to dress, that they don't have to have their partner in mind when they buy a piece of clothing, Mm -hmm. that they don't have to have their mum in mind or their sister or be because I am this kind of person, I must dress this way. It's, it's helping them realise that where they, how they have always wanted to look is possible and I'm just that bridging gap to get you there. And I think that's why it can be transformative because especially I can only talk about women because I am a woman, but generally with the messaging that we get, there's always these restrictions, you know, mm. that you can't have both cleavage and legs out, that once you're a mum you can't have like you can't wear crop tops or you can't dress a certain way. That um, once you're a certain age as a female, you shouldn't have long hair or you shouldn't wear black or don't do this, don't do this. There's a lot of these rules and I say that with like finger bunny ears that aren't actually rules but it adds restriction and that is why a lot of my clients
0: struggle to really dress. Where do these rules come from? I've never even known about these rules. I'm so naive.
1: (laughs) I feel like it comes from messaging from either people in our lives as we're growing up or like messaging through magazines, now social media, um, all these expectations that get put probably on women more so than men mm-hmm. um, that but we kind of internalise. A man
0: can't, the rule, again, bunny ears, can't wear heels. Yeah, I mean, or a skirt or carry yeah. a bag. If they're wearing a skirt, they must be Scottish. And they yeah. must have a quilt pattern. And on. clothing is just
1: clothing, yeah. but it's a clothing is a vessel to enable us to feel our very best self every day yep. and so I'm just that bridging gap to help my clients and you're do
0: so that good. you're such a good because there is
1: there is no, like there is, it, is psychology behind yes. the way we dress they've done there's some really great studies on it and they've even done studies where it's um in cloth cognition that if we address a certain way that it can impact how our brain thinks so they've done a study by putting on a lab coat when people had the lab coat on versus off They did better in testing with a lab coat on. It's like your brain has a switch, and it's the same thing with clothing. I was
0: actually recommended when I started my business systems for personal training was just Mm -hmm. to get a logoed T-shirt and wear a uniform because at school we had to wear a suit, and then prior to that, Mm -hmm. sixth form we wore a uniform, and it worked. Like I felt even I was knackered because we'd have to go like six o'clock in the morning. You would understand, like fitness (laughs) industry starts when everyone's asleep, but. Putting on that T-shirt, that that branded uniform, just got mm-hmm. me a little bit more in the zone and a little bit more energy and a little bit more kind of, I was, I felt like I could show up for the day. So yeah, it's so powerful. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's breaking down those sometimes the wrong idea, like those restrictions that a lot of my clients have. Is breaking down restriction and creating possibility is where I kind of see it yeah. as what I really try and do.
0: Do you have again? This is a personal question. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming it's not just me, clients that think they're not worthy of uh, this service that you provide and this experience Mm. and this transformation that you can offer to them. Because I certainly feel like that's probably the main barrier to me um, reaching out to you. I've known Mm. of you for many years (laughs) Um, and I'm like, oh, I'd love to do that. But I just don't feel like I deserve it somehow. Yeah, all the
1: time. Like all the time. Um, for some of my clients, it's because they're not a certain size that they want to lose weight. And I have that conversation with them why don't you deserve to feel the way that you want to feel now rather than in six months' time or 12 months' time? Or we often set up, we're, we're scared of change. I think bringing it back to what we were talking about earlier, we're scared of change. And it means even we can put barriers in our own way to stop that change happening for us. And it's an investment. It's an investment of time. Mm-hmm. If you're doing anything, it's an investment of money as well. And that's money that could be put, you know, on a holiday or children where it's really easy to spend that money, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's considered always something that, you know, you could do. We've grown up with that's normal. We
0: justify it. To, Yeah, you, you, less, we can justify it. it. Yeah, it's, it's more normalised. Yes.
1: Whereas if you say to someone or you're working with a stylist, they always want to know, well, why? What's Like I remember my client saying she said that she was going to work with me and someone said, well, why? What's wrong with you? And oh, my gosh. Because they, wow. they didn't consider that, they didn't realise how she was feeling on the mm-hmm. inside in her clothing and that, yeah, so it's really easy to say that you're not worthy of something. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I can always have that conversation with my clients and how I can bring value to them. But you've got to make that first step yeah. yourself.
0: It's a bit and like saying not worthy um, and, oh, what's wrong with you? Sorry, that comment. Mm. I still invest in seeing a counselor. I'm, I'm actually a life coach myself yeah. and I'm actually in my, the best headspace I've ever been, but I see it as an investment and I'm, I'm gifting that to myself. I don't need to have an issue or be ill or have a problem. Mm. And it's, why not? I want to I want to actually invest in myself. So yes. it's not like there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. It's that you're just building on top of what is already great. Exactly. That's you. Yeah. Just, yeah, enhancing yourself, not fixing yourself.
1: No, and I don't dramatically change anyone. It's just I think
0: you've changed Literally. lids for the better. Oh, how dramatically. It. <laughs> it's nice when you
1: change clients and help their confidence. Yeah, but I wouldn't say I change their personality. It's mm. mainly it's bringing that out yes. in the form of clothing. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Amazing! Wow, that's so, so much to think about. Thank you for sharing so um, openly. There. Sorry, I took you on a tangent. I know. Yeah. We love a tangent. We love a tangent. So. We, we, all we've really got to is personal styling and, and enhancing people. We haven't really touched on um, the photo shoots you do and the walk, the catwalks and things. Yes. Let's just quickly just um, say about that. And then I want to talk about how you juggle everything and how you make it work with um, Jason and, and the boys. And, yes. yeah. So in terms of the other side of your work, any yes. highlights, any things that come to mind that you just think, oh, um, I love it?
1: I love photo shoots for the creativity, yeah. like creating a mood board, a concept and bringing it to life is amazing. The personal is the feels, That is like just the hands-on creative, like you would understand as an artist. It's yes. the hands-on feel. And a couple of years ago before the world went nuts, I did a shoot on Hutt Lagoon, which is the Pink Lakes far north of WA. So it's about a six-hour, six-and-a-half-hour drive from Perth. Um, it did that with personality Jessica Rowe, um who you may know her on Instagram as The Crap Housewife, um, who is just the most beautiful personality. What you see is what you get. And we shot this campaign for Bio Oil, a global um beauty company, you yeah. could say, on and it was just the most magical shoot, like really great creative team to feel off. Everything went off without a hit. Like it was just and the images were fantastic. So that's probably a highlight of wine
0: people find those images somewhere yeah you your, can like yes yeah. yeah,
1: go look. have a look yeah. At everybody yeah and like and stunning location in WA like to yes. be able to be paid to go there for yeah. work is like things like that that blow my mind yeah um, so that's probably like my standout shoot um and then I think I'd also say like I'm really big in supporting local fashion mm-hmm. Um, and with a friend of mine, we created this runway in Perth where it is to have a platform for local designers to have their collections showcased, especially when more we see more and more local designers heading over to Melbourne mm-hmm. to be seen, which I totally understand. Sometimes yeah. our governments don't invest enough in the arts here in Perth, I would say, or WA in general. Yeah. And so we want we created this platform for those local designers milliners jewelry designers that mainly that may not be seen to be seen on a runway and to create this social event that it wasn't just for the fashion crowd it wasn't for you know the hoity-toity fashion crowd it was for anyone that loves fashion or just wanted to support local to have a good event to go to every year it happens every every year so i think this year is our sixth or seventh year yeah. coming to it you
0: must give
1: me the details yeah to, what month yeah. Usually so generally september okay yeah I I as all there. good
0: fashion events happen yeah. yes <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know anything yeah. about fashion but there we go september yes. okay yes. amazing yeah beautiful yeah. um perfect gosh i mean you're you the, the impact that you have and i hopefully it's come across the way in which you do it is so considered and so much passion and so like as a complete non-fashionista, I have no idea about fashion and the importance that it can play in people's lives. Is I've just learned so much today, so thank you oh, for no sharing problem. all of that. When you first started, obviously I would perceive you as very successful and you've, you've reached lots of um, different avenues within your industry. How have you got to this point, would you say, is it mostly word of mouth because you just do such a wonderful job? Have you really relied upon... Um, marketing and, and business kind of adverts. Have you just had some great mentors? What's been the business kind of journey to get to this point?
1: Yeah, I would say I still feel like the business side I'm winging it a little bit. Like I've never done advertising. Um, a lot of it's through word of mouth, mm-hmm. um, as it happens to be. Like in a place like Perth, everyone yes. talks, and there's six. De- I would say it's less than six degrees of separation. Yeah. But, um word of mouth most definitely and then um i get a huge amount of business through instagram so mm-hmm. i des- do great stories
0: every day oh, i kind of have a, little, a little i'm like oh, wow i had no idea you're supposed to pair this with that wow. who would have um, thought
1: <laughs> it's just, yeah it's just sharing knowledge and if yeah. i can get knowledge out to more people then why not yeah and so um yeah a lot of it comes through instagram um, and as try as I might other avenues, it's just where people happen to find me and that gets me business. So I dedicate a bit of time on social content. It's like another job, but yes. when it pays off or it helps someone else, then there's a huge value in that. So yeah, social media, especially Instagram, I get a lot of business. Yeah.
0: And one thing that is so lovely about you and you're even proving it today is mm-hmm. that you, you're you very. Quick to give, like mm-hmm. a lot of people would say. Oh, well, I have this knowledge, but you got to pay for it. I'm not going to give you all of my learned tips and mm-hmm. and actually something my mum said to me. She's like, "Sweetheart, you need to stop." She always calls me a sweetheart. <laughs> so I'm a fully grown <laughs> woman, but uh, <laughs> um, you stop, you stop giving it away, or stop showing people how you do it, or stop, And it's like, no, I. The whole point of why I create is to try and empower people and 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 share that with people, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. I think that really just sells itself. When you genuinely want to empower others and share what you know, yeah. then people are going to invest in you regardless. It's sort of it's yeah. a no-brainer. So but it's, you do that really well.
1: It's also, it's also a bit of social proof as well because mm-hmm. like word of mouth where someone's like, I had a great experience. They're like, great. Then if you have, then I'm sure to as well. With social media, it's a bit harder than that. You know, you are trying to – people may have seen you for the first time And it's like, well, why you over somebody else? And when you're asking someone to invest time and money in something, they want to know that it's going to pay off. Yeah. And so some of it is showing that this is the value that I can give you, especially Mm -hmm. if you've never worked for the stylist before. You can have a preconceived idea of how it can be, especially when you think fashion stylist. You may think celebrity stylist, someone, you know, in Hollywood and things like that. Um, Or if you think fashion and it's not your world, you may see it as like something quite clicky and judgmental, Mm -hmm. whereas what I do is there's no judgment whatsoever. Um, And so it's showing people that what you see is what you get. Mm -hmm. If you value spending time with me, then I'm going to value that as well and I'm going to try and help you in every way that I can. And I still think styling, it's getting more and more known, but it's almost like a like my dad would consider it like a new career. Like, you know, yeah. it wasn't around when he was growing up. So is it a like, is it a career that is going to set you up in life yeah. or is it a side hustle? Yeah. So okay. it's also for people that may have never worked with a star, showing them that there's, this is what I do and this is what I can help you with. Yeah. And some people are going to take those tips and be able to run them themselves. Yeah. But there's always people that are cool. Even if you help them, there's still more.
0: Yeah, um, all it's shown me is that there's so much I don't know <laughs> and that I need you in my life. Yeah, but if you've got the knowledge, why not share it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, yeah. a lot of people don't, so thank you yeah. for, for continuing to share your knowledge. So let's get to the dilemma, Well, oh, is it a dilemma? Just the dynamic <laughs> of your life that is being um, married to a professional athlete and mm-hmm. having two young boys and how that looks and how you've, because you started this career intentionally because you knew you wanted kids and because you knew your husband's schedule and lifestyle. So in a nutshell, let's take it to a year now. In a year, how often are you single parenting and how often are you traveling to various different countries? Um, What does that look like?
1: Yeah, it's definitely better now. Mm -hmm. Like I know through the two main years of COVID, Jason was away for nine and a half months out of the 12 months. Um, and my youngest is only two. So that's a lot of his life that he's missed out on. Wow. But it's also a lot of time that I've had to kind of fumble my way through solo yeah. parenting. Um, this year's better. Like he's been home a lot more. Mm-hmm. When he's traveled, it's been like for short periods. So, for instance, for those that don't know, our summer, the main component of cricket is probably what you see is the big bash, the T20 cricket. Mm-hmm. So it's short format three hour games and with that when he travels it's you're basically maybe out for two nights back for a few nights so he's in and out a lot but he's home for a lot of it Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to international like at the moment he flew out maybe it was around the 22nd of march and he'll probably be back start of june but then that could always get extended if he gets offered a contract in like the uk because they're heading into summer so it's always a little bit unknown when he's away mm-hmm. and we can have little short periods or we can have long periods. So, um, in some ways I've learned to go with the flow yeah. a little bit. Do you try yeah.
0: and clear your schedule of work when he's back because it's so sporadic and you think, you know what, sod it, I, I want family time. Mm. Or do you just think, no, actually I want to keep doing my thing this is probably quite a personal question. <laughs> no, no. But, um, yeah, how does... I feel like it's a bit of
1: both because yes. if there's one thing I've learned with children, they can go with the flow to only a certain extent. They mm-hmm. still need some sort of routine yes. because they need that to feel secure mm-hmm. in their world and who they are as little human beings. And so for some of it, we keep it the same. And for some of it, we've got to go with the flow a little bit, especially mm-hmm. when it means keeping the family unit together. And if there's one thing that COVID taught us when we couldn't travel to meet Jason somewhere, or he couldn't come home, or it meant that every trip had a month added on because two weeks quarantine yeah, on either end, yeah. it meant that we've realized where the point is where we need to keep the family unit together. So Jason's been away. Five weeks now and we're heading to India because it's at the point now where the boys are starting to get a little bit more emotional mm-hmm. which means they're fighting a lot more uh, their fuse is a lot more short because that security of dad is is not there yeah. and they've kind of hit their point now where they need that that's that connection and was that again? always
0: part of the plan or you've just gone mm, actually let's let's just do it like before yeah. Jason went away did you know that potentially you might head to India or actually no it's very much considered that you would do that
1: yeah it was a potential it's always like a potential because things can change so quickly that is
0: such a skill in itself to be so Mm. flexible I'm I'm sure there's a lot of emotion and stress around that kind of approach to life but to have (laughs) that ability to be a bit more go with yeah. the flow
1: that's quite enviable that's great and it, like don't get me wrong that I have my moments like I definitely had today this morning didn't go to plan we're supposed to get yes. a vaccinations <laughs> this has been an ongoing thing because the boys are being sick so you can't do it when you're sick yeah. um and then the chemist didn't have the vax this morning they should have so don't get me wrong I definitely had a menti b cry after dropping the boys back to their school and daycare this morning but you know sometimes you just You've got to go with it. You've got to give yeah. yourself the space to feel what you're feeling. And I'm learning that. It's been, it's been hard. I'll say, like, people probably hear this and think, oh yeah, I'm just easy going and this and that. And I'm I'm not. And I definitely learned like the last two years of COVID, I was probably not, I probably set my expectations too high of what I would be able to do to keep yes. that unit together. And it definitely affected the boys and it's definitely, I was very close to burnout. Um, I wasn't the mum I was wanting to be. I wasn't the person I wanted to be in my business. And I probably gave too much of my energy away. So Mm -hmm. I've learned this year to set boundaries a bit more. And it's also meant that if there's a potential for travel, I've kind of reduced my workload. Mm-hmm. And the career woman in me finds that really difficult, especially because I changed careers to have the career I wanted. But if it means that I'm not sacrificing the mental health of my children who through my actions have suffered the last two years as well as I have, there's a payoff for that. As I had a, I have a really good tax accountant now and he said to me because my worry was I'm not pitching in enough earnings wise yep. my earnings have taken a hit in the last two years yeah but as he said to me you know you can't have it all he goes it's natural as a female sorry oh yeah sorry that. this is such
0: a tangent no, no, no. just yeah. repeat what you literally just said this is like my mantra yeah you can't have it all you cannot everybody and um, this is 52 <laughs> minutes so well done for getting to this point probably I'm the sorry. most important <laughs> part. no no this is gold yeah this is the most important part of this conversation. You cannot have it all. And I'm talking to, they know who I'm talking to, (laughs) who is listening to this. But um, carry on. Yeah. Because it's so true. Like we, as women, I think as well, we try and do it all. And then there's this, if I'm just a stay at home mum, what does that mean? Does it mean I've failed? Should I have a career? Should I have a career? But then the kids come. like... And being a mum is a career. Yes. Like
1: it is a really hard career. It's a whole full-time job. It's a full-time job. And so I can't run my own business. I can't be the main breadwinner. Yep. I can't travel and keep the family unit together when it needs to be. Yep. I can't be at cricket games supporting my husband. I can't be at school assemblies, school yep. drop offs school pickup, doctor's appointments, yep. um, sport for my children. I can't do all of that. And you didn't
0: even mention you in that. You need time yep. for just you. To yep. be able to... I so I to...
1: can't do it yes. all. Something's got to give at some point. Yes. And I'm getting – this year I'm – I've set my boundaries um this is so fantastic it. that you're at
0: this point of yeah it's so wise and so wholesome. it's so good to hear you say this because mm. I'm sure there's people and I did before I've had this conversation with you perceive that oh my gosh you're some superwoman that's just like managing it all and then as a fellow female I don't have children but there's four many people in my life that are my partner's children trying to do it all yeah it's just completely not no, viable, it's no. just not possible um, and I mean I'm sure your accountant didn't say this but I also have a partner who's a very successful mm. business person um, earning exponentially more than me and I I really struggle, probably again my self-worth knowing that I don't bring as much finance to the table <coughs> somebody's at the house, that's fine, do you <laughs> do need you... to go and get that grab that? Sorry <laughs> so we were literally just talking about earning potential and the struggle between feeling inadequate because I'm not bringing enough or the same amount as my partner mm. and one thing that she said actually was that you bring the emotional regulation, you bring the support, you bring the calm, you bring the EQ, it's as much of an invest or as much as a value to the relationship mm. as the finances and I think in, in society there's this perception that the person that brings the money is bringing the most value. Yeah. But what you've just highlighted and demonstrated so beautifully is that you are the captain of the ship and mm. maybe the ship is the is the money, maybe that's Jason, but you're the captain and you're driving it and you're steering it mm. and you're in seam control <laughs> <laughs> um, and you seem to be doing it amazingly well and I think that's a really wonderful place just to round off in that today you've demonstrated that you can follow your passion, you can take a leap into the unknown, you can kind of wing it and get there anyway, even mm. just by, I think your passion has driven you to this point. And as long as you stay authentic to who you are and you give of yourself yeah. authentically, um, then you're going to go far. And yeah. and I just want to say a huge, massive thank you for what you do, because I know, um, I mean, I know from a personal level, but I just know because I bet you that you have helped thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people and we need more people like you in the world thank um, you yeah it's been a really fascinating interesting conversation I now know that I know even less about fashion (laughs) and that I also probably don't value myself enough and I'm gonna have a really good think about that and You'll be hearing from me because I think I need to invest in you. <laughs> great. i you've saying that it. for you. I know. Yes. Because you Because I do. haven't felt like I deserve it. And it makes you feel – and my shoulders are, like, up by here <laughs> now. And I'm, like, wincing because I just feel like I don't deserve to feel great in my clothes. But, God damn it, I do. Why not? Yeah, you
1: do. Um, you, feel,
0: you deserve
1: yeah. to feel how you want to feel every yes. single day i want to feel comfy i hate my jeans and All of my jeans
0: fall down and, and that's the everyone's
1: weird. like but i want to be comfortable you have to be comfortable if yeah. you're not comfortable you're not going to wear it and i'm yeah. not going to let you buy it so most definitely and
0: occasionally like my sister actually she came a couple of weeks ago she said bless her my my twin sisters are flat like ironing boards they don't have any breasts um I have a little, a demi-boob, a little teeny-weeny cleavage. But she said, why don't you ever show them? And I, it's never even occurred to me that I would mm-hmm. do that. And I thought, actually, why not? So Definitely. I don't have any tops that do, do that for me, but maybe maybe I'll embrace that. Give it a go.
1: You, yeah, You may not like it, and that is fine. The top's yeah. not going to cry because you put it back on the shelf. I love that. Um, but, like, part of it is having fun. Like, yes. it's just... And I think it's just that. It's giving yourself permission to be the person that you want to be. Mm-hmm. It's giving yourself permission to feel good every day. Because you don't you shouldn't feel shit every day, let's yeah. be honest. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't. No matter what, a and magazine. Both emotionally ma- and
0: practically. Yeah. Like when you have a wedgie, the most annoying thing. When you have a label that's itching you, the most annoying yeah. thing. But also how you feel uh psychologically emotionally there's two ways that your service can enhance people's sense of their feelings so
1: exactly and sometimes it's that itchy label that's the straw that breaks the camel's back that day whereas if you don't have it you can just if you're not irritated every single second of every day everything can just be a little bit brighter and i know it sounds a bit
0: woo-woo but it's it's true it's true it's true it's true Thank you so so much. No, is there anything you. more you want to say to round off the conversation or No, I just I think it's probably
1: what you know and you're realizing is that you deserve to be and look the way that you want to be. You yes. deserve to be that person that you see yourself becoming. You can you deserve to have that in this moment right now and it's possible.
0: Amen, sister. Thank mm-hmm. you. Can you please share, you don't have to, if yeah. you wish, how people can find you? Your yes plugs this is a chance to sell yourself yeah
1: <laughs> um so that instagram that i work really hard on is style by javel um and then uh, i am also trying really hard at tiktok
0: oh. at the moment <laughs> i
1: know i don't no dances i promise i didn't get that gene um and that is under javel berendorf lovely beautiful thank you so
0: so much well there are amazing nuggets of wisdom in our conversation i recommend you listen to this one twice because there's so much to take from today take care everybody um think about yourself and gift yourself a little self-styling with javel all right bye